Book 6, Chapter 2 of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick MacLear. Book 6, Chapter 2 Conquest of the Southern and Central Mountains Joshua chapters 7 to 11 B.C. 1451 The passes into the central hills being thus secured, Joshua without delay sent men to reconnoitre the position of Ai, a royal city strongly posted beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, at the head of the ravines running up from the valley of the Jordan. The spies reported it as easy of capture, and suggested that two or three thousand men would be amply sufficient for the undertaking. Acting on their advice, Joshua dispatched the suggested number, who advanced boldly up the ravine, but only to meet with an unexpected and disastrous repulse. The men of Ai, strong in their high position, chased them down the steep descent from the gates, and slew about thirty-six men. This unlooked-for reverse excited the profoundest despondency in the Israelitish camp. Joshua and the elders, with dust upon their heads, lay till eventide upon the ground before the ark, which had so lately been led triumphantly round Jericho, anticipated nothing less than a general attack of the collected Canaanites, emboldened by the discomfiture of the people. From this dejection they were roused by the voice of the captain of the Lord's host, informing them that the Israelites themselves were the cause of this defeat. They had not kept themselves from the accursed thing in the devoted city of Jericho, but had taken and concealed a portion of the spoil. Nor till atonement was made for this sin could they expect any further success to attend their arms. On the morrow, therefore, all Israel was assembled by their tribes, and an appeal was made to the sacred Lot to discover the offender. The tribe of Judah having been taken, its clans, families, and households were successively led forth, and at length the transgressor was found in the person of Achan, the son of Carmi. Adjured by Joshua to make a full confession, he owned that, from the spoils of Jericho, he had secretly set aside a richly ornamented Babylonish or Assyrian robe, two hundred shekels of silver, and a solid wedge of gold weighing fifty shekels, and had hidden them in the ground under his tent. Thither messengers were sent, and there the stolen property was found, and spread before the assembled host. Achan was then taken to a valley south or southwest of Jericho, and there stoned to death, together with his sons, his daughters, and all his family. Their remains, together with his tent, the stolen property, and all his possessions, were then burnt with fire, while a great mound of stones was set up over the scene of the execution, and the valley was henceforth known as that of Achor, Trouble. The host was now in a position to resume the attack upon Ai. Selecting 30,000 men from his forces, Joshua set out from Gilgal, and on reaching the neighbourhood of the city, detached 5,000 men 
to place themselves during the night in ambush behind it. Meanwhile, he himself, with the rest of his army, took up his position on an eminence near the north side of the town. Early the following morning, he descended into the valley, and the king of Ai no sooner detected them than he advanced with all his forces to the encounter. Thereupon the Israelites feigned a retreat, and were hotly pursued by their foes towards the desert of the Jordan, while, at the signal of Joshua's uplifted spear, the ambuscade rushed into Ai and set it on fire. The smoke of their city ascending up to heaven was the first announcement to the inhabitants of the success of the stratagem practised by the Israelites. Attacked before and behind, they were utterly routed, and their whole population, numbering twelve thousand, were put to the sword. The city itself was sacked and burnt, and its king, having been taken prisoner, was hanged upon a tree till sunset, when the body was taken down, and a huge heap of stones was piled up over his grave. After this signal victory, the Israelitish leader determined to take advantage of the terror which the success of his arms had inspired in the hearts of the Canaanites, and carry out the command of Moses, touching the ratification of the law, with imposing and solemn ceremonies, on the mountains Ebal and Gerizim. Deuteronomy chapter 27 From Ai, to the north of which the host had already advanced, Ebal was about twenty miles distant. Thither, accordingly, the host repaired. An altar of unhewn stones was erected, and burnt offerings and peace offerings were sacrificed to Jehovah. The stones were then plastered with lime, and the words of the law, probably the Ten Commandments, or the blessings and cursings contained in Deuteronomy chapter 27, inscribed thereon. Half of the assembled tribes then ascended the summit of Ebal, the other half that of Gerizim. In the intermediate valley stood the priests and Levites with the ark, surrounded by the elders, officers and judges, with Joshua at their head. Of the blessings and cursings of the law, each was then read aloud by the Levites, and as they read, to each curse the six tribes on Ebal responded with a unanimous loud Amen, and to each blessing the assembled thousands on Gerizim similarly testified their acquiescence. On their return from this solemn ratification of the covenant, the Israelites assembled at Gilgal. Here they were met by an embassy from Gibeon, now El-Jib. It was a royal city situated exactly opposite the opening of the Pass of Ai, inhabited by the commercial Hivites, and was at this time the head of a small group of confederate cities, Chephira Beoreth and Kiriath Jearim. Joshua chapter 9 verse 17. Alarmed by the successes of Joshua, the Canaanite kings of the hills, the valleys, and the sea coast had mustered their forces for a general attack upon him. In this, the Gibeonites had resolved to take no part, but determined, if possible, to make a league with the Israelites. For this purpose, they sent ambassadors arrayed in old and tattered garments and clouted shoes, carrying old sacks upon their asses, dry and mouldy bread, and goatskin bottles patched and shriveled, the better to keep up the appearance of being toil-worn travellers from a far country. Joshua chapter 9 verses 3 to 13. 
completely deceived by this wily embassage, without waiting to take counsel of the Lord, Joshua and the princes concluded a covenant with them, and solemnly swore that they would spare their lives. Within three days, however, they arrived in the midst of their cities, and ascertained that, instead of being very far off, they were their near neighbours. Loud was the murmuring of the people against their chiefs when they saw how they had been duped, but the latter nobly determined to abide by their oaths, and, in place of putting the Gibeonites to death, reduced them to the condition of bondmen, and made them hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord. Meanwhile, news of the capitulation of Gibeon having reached the ears of the southern kings, they resolved to attack the recreant city, and five powerful chiefs, the king of Jebus, the king of Hebron, or Kiriath Arba, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, marched against it and commenced a regular siege. In their alarm, the Gibeonites sent an urgent message to Joshua at Gilgal, bidding him slack not his hand, but come to their aid with the utmost speed, and deliver them from their powerful foes. Perceiving that not a moment was to be lost, Joshua instantly arrayed all his forces, and by a forced march suddenly burst upon the Amorite kings as they lay encamped before the city, unable to offer any effectual resistance to this utterly unexpected attack. They were helpless before the Hebrew leader and the Lord who fought for Israel. Numbers were slaughtered at Gibeon itself. Numbers fled along the rocky ascent leading to Upper Beth Horon, the House of Caves, about four miles distant. Hence, however, they were chased by the triumphant Israelites along the rough descent leading to Lower Beth Horon, and thence to Azekah and Makedah, when a terrific storm burst forth. The Lord thundered out of heaven and cast down great hailstones upon the flying Canaanites, so that they were more which died with the hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Joshua chapter 10 verse 11 Standing on the summit of Upper Beth Horon, Joshua watched the foe flying in helpless confusion towards the western lowlands. The Lord had already delivered them into his hands, and time only was needed to render the rout complete and enable his forces to avenge themselves on their enemies. But the day was far advanced, and he feared the Canaanites might yet make good their escape. In the sight, then, of all Israel, he cried, Sun, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou, moon, in the valley of Ajalon, the place of deer or gazelles. And the Lord, who fought for Israel, hearkened to the voice of his servant. The sun stood still, and the moon stayed, and in the lengthened afternoon the pursuit was continued without pause or rest. Arrived at Makedah, somewhere in the Shephelah or Maritime Plain, the five kings hid themselves in a well-known cave, shaded by trees. But thither also the tide of battle brought the triumphant Joshua, who bade his followers only pause to roll great stones to the mouth of the cave, and set men by it for to keep them. Longer he would not tarry. Intent upon the pursuit, he urged his forces to smite the hindmost of their foes, and prevent their escaping into their cities. His words were obeyed, 
nor till they had made an end of slaying the Canaanites with a great slaughter, did the pursuers return to Makeda. Here a camp was formed, and the mouth of the cave having been opened, the five kings were dragged forth in the sight of Joshua and all the men of Israel. As they lay prostrate upon the ground, the Israelite leader bade the captains of the men of war put their feet on their necks, and then smote them and slew them, and hanged them upon five trees until the evening. Then, as the sun went down upon that memorable day, like which was no day before or after it, they were taken down and flung into the cave where they had vainly tried to conceal themselves. Great stones were once more rolled to its mouth, and the royal sepulchre was closed. Joshua chapter 10, verses 16 to 27. Such was the issue of the eventful battle of Beth-Horon. It sealed the fate of every important city of southern Palestine. One after another, Makeda and Libna, Lachish and Eglon, Hebron and Debir, fell before the victorious Israelites. From one captured city they passed on to another, conquering and to conquer, till they had smitten all the country of the hills and of the south and of the vale and of the springs, from Kadesh Barnea in the southern desert to the central plain of Israelon. Joshua chapter 10, verse 41. End of book 6, chapter 2.